the killer bees. What about the murderous J's? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three J's. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. It's uh, it's B, it's blank, it's Branham, it's Bees Spencer, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. So there's 14 quarterbacks left in the NFL. Where does CJ Stroud rank amongst those 14? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. All three of us voted on the top 14 quarterbacks that are left. We, we ranked each one of them, and we put together our collective quarterbacks in the playoff list like we do at the start of every regular season. We're just going to deliver to you the cumulative score, the average, and then we posted it on Twitter at ESPN97.5. You can go there and you can get our individual votes and you can see the final rankings as well. We're only going to give to you the final rankings and you can crush us, you can tell us where we went wrong, you can tell us how awful and stupid and all these mean things, and then we'll turn those mean things that you send to us into the final segment of the week with Mean Text uh, every Friday. So we're going 14 to 1 or 1 through 14? Let's go 14 to 1. 14 to 1. The last ranked quarterback, according to the Killer Bees, playoff quarterback rankings is no other than Mason, Mason Rudolph. Rudolph. Mason, Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is last. He's 14 of 14. In the, <laughs> I just looked at this graphic. And Joe put, you know, our, he put mine, he put yours, he put his. And then it's final ones, it says B's final ranking. He put B apostrophe S. It looks like it says the BS final rankings. <laughs> it does. But it's now no BS. Look, now that I'm it's looking no at BS. it, it does look like that. Mason Rudolph, 14th collectively. We all voted for, for Mason Rudolph at 14. Number 13 on the power ranking list is Baker. Mayfield. Blankers and I had Baker Mayfield at 13. Joe had Baker Mayfield at 12. Really? So Joe feels higher about Baker Mayfield uh, than you or I do. Number 12 on this list was Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers. Blankers and I each had Jordan Love at 11. Joe's Chicago at Bears. 11. 11. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading fast. I started thinking of where Joe had him. So Blankers and I, car of the day nominee. Uh, Blankers and I have Jordan Love at 11. And Joe, with the Chicago Bears bias, has Jordan Love number 13. That kind of brought Love down a little bit from where Blankers and I had him. So Blankers and I, as you much think as Baker Mayfield is better than Jordan Love. I do. As much as I crap on Jordan Love, I don't think he's that bad. I just there's something about Baker I love. I, you I, love? I can't get enough of Baker Mayfield. What really? do you? What is there to love about Baker Mayfield? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I think it's toughness, his attitude, all of he the way he plays, like reckless abandon. Like if you're going to be an underdog and win a playoff game, I think he's a quarterback. Like he works in that. Fair enough. It, I, my favorite part about both of us having love at 11s, we've argued about a, a Jordan Love, and we both have him at number 11. Yeah. Number 10, cracking the top 10 of the playoff quarterbacks from the Killer Bees, we have Jared Goff. Blankers and I each had Goff at 10. Joe thought the most. The oh, my phone. <clears throat> 11 team. I'm trying to avoid saying that again. Uh, number 11 on this list is Joe Flacco. Flacco's number 11, who the Texans will see on Saturday. Blankers and I each had Flacco at 12. Joe thought the most of Joe Flacco. He had him at number 11. Number 10 was Jared Goff. Blankers and I had him at 10. Joe had him at number 8. So Goff cracks the top 10. Number 9. We were very different about number 9. Tua comes in at number 9. I had him ranked ninth. Joel had him ranked 6th. And Joe had him all the way at number 10. 
So pretty wide discrepancy yeah, there I, for Tua. I kind of slanted this with recency bias to the fact that it's going to be zero degrees outside. That's that's like that's not recency bias. Or, or that's future upcoming, bias. Future bias, I guess. <laughs> forecast bias. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at the forecast, and I'm like, eh, it's going to be pretty terrible weather, so I'm going to lower them that's on my the, list. That's the beauty of a vote, right? You never know why people are voting in a certain way. So we had two at nine. That's been the biggest discrepancy by far, so far. Like, everything has been pretty tight on our votes. That one, Tua's range was six to ten. Number eight was Jalen Hurts. Now, we all had Hurts pretty similar. I had him eight, Blankers had him seven, and Joe had him at number nine. So right there in the middle, Jalen Hurts at number eight. Does that surprise you? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. He's not throwing a football. He's, he's, he's struggled lately. Well. That, and that's the thing is, like, the recency bias here, Hurts has not been playing well. Like, and I think he's, I think he's actually banged up. And we, I, think he's, I think they have coordinator issues. In well, and, he's, and he's literally hasn't thrown a football all week. But we also oh, literally. Oh, really? Yeah, because he can't grip it. And if we, have this, if we have this conversation last year at this time, he's top five. Hundred percent, top three. Hundred percent. I don't think he's healthy. I really don't. I agree with that. But yeah. I also think you're you're onto something. Offense. I think there's the same way that there's issues on the defensive side of the football, and he's playing musical thoughts and, and coordinators on defense. I think because he wants to, he he's getting involved in the offense now. I think there's a bunch of confusion on the offensive side of the ball. But I agree, he's not healthy. See, we might have been killed for this in the past. Number seven ahead of Jalen Hurts is Brock Purdy. I had Purdy seventh. Blank man had him ninth, and Joe had him seventh. So Brock Purdy comes in at seventh place on our list. Number five, Matthew. Dis- oh yeah, number six. I'm screwing up. Number six, Matthew Stafford, former Super Bowl champion. Brendan Riley's first love, well, second love. His first love was the Detroit Lions, which we need. We need to call Brendan. See what he's thinking about this weekend. But I had Stafford at number five. Blank man had him at number eight. Joe had him at number three. 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 Huh. I. I believe. How? Three. You oh, can yeah. believe without putting him in at three. I think three. he's playing I think he's playing incredible football this year. I would have based it on the fact that he has played incredible football in the playoffs. He's played great like he's won a Super Bowl. He's played very, very well this year. His weapons have been elite. I feel a certain way about the Rams before the playoffs. Yeah, you've been you have been riding the Rams. And, and you wanted this matchup and honestly, for a long time. Yeah. I'm thinking about riding them all the way currently. So what? you think about playing a Super Bowl ticket with the Rams, or just do the NFC? I I put one down yesterday. Super Bowl win appearance. What did the what did you get on that? I don't remember. I gotta look it up. You're good. You're a good. Uh, you're good. Better there. I, I think that at least in this this week, the table is set for Matt Stafford to play out of his mind. See, I thought I was putting Stafford high. I had him fifth on my list, and I thought I I thought I was having him high, and then lo and behold, Joe has him in his top three. Three. His great endorse. Number three. All right, number five on the list is Dak Prescott. I thought the most of Dak. Okay, this is difficult. Uh, Joe puts his as Dak and everybody else's as Prescott. Uh, I had Dak at number five. That's true. That's very true. I was like, where's Prescott? Did Joe leave him off? Oh, it's Dak. There you go. I had uh, had Dak at the highest. I had Dak at number three. Blankers had him at number five. And then Joe had him one spot behind that at number six. Six is pretty low there. For Dak Prescott, Joe. Because of Stafford. Why don't you like Dak? Because he's he Cause led he the NFL in turnovers last year, and I still believe that's who he is. Ah, we're talking about recency yeah, but, bias. You're pointing recency. to last year. Yeah, well, you're talking about you what show you me think who you is going to happen in the snow with Tua, but you I can't know. say that Dak's been playing his tail off. Yeah, but you showed me who you were for like three years. You throw a ton of picks. We uh we don't have a number four because there's a tie for third, and it makes me sick. Makes me want to throw up a little bit. The tie from third is Josh Allen. And C.J. Stroud. So Stroud we do have as a top three quarterback, but he's tied with Josh Allen. Uh, Allen first. I had Allen at six. Joel had him at three. Joe had him at four. 
So we're a little bit, you know, little discrepancy there from Allen. But Allen makes our uh, top three, tied for third with C.J. Stroud. We were all pretty similar on Stroud. Blankers and I each had him at fourth, and then Joe had him at number five behind Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford. So he's the reason, Joe's the reason, when all of you, Houston, are wondering why in the world is C.J. Stroud tied with that turnover machine, Josh Allen, know that it was Joe that has C.J. Stroud ranked the lowest at number five. Although Blankers had Allen the highest at at number three, so he probably was part of that as well. What we've learned is it has nothing to do with me. All right, number two on this list, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson comes in at number two, which of course means Pat Mahomes is our number one quarterback with the average ranking. Now, this isn't without some discrepancy. We, we did have these a little different. Blankers and Joe had Mahomes and Jackson as their one-two. I had it flipped. I have Lamar Jackson at one. I had Pat Mahomes at number two. I think Lamar Jackson's just playing way better football right now than Pat Mahomes, which is evident with the MVP. So that's our list, and I think that experience. To me, on the flip side of that, experience matters. And and if I'm going to put the ball in one of those two guys' hands in the final two and a half minutes of a game and go win the game, I still believe in Mahomes more than I believe in Lamar. And that's not taken away from the year Lamar had. I went. Um, I thought long and hard about this one, so it's not. I was pretty torn on it. Um, I went with how they were playing like lately, and I do think Lamar's playing like flat out more football or better football. That's why I have him at one and Mahomes at number two. I don't disagree with anything you just said, though. Like, if, if you look at the playoff history between these two, one has been really, really good, and one has been really, really bad. And the one that's been really, really good is Pat Mahomes. The one that's been really, really bad is Lamar Jackson. Now, if you look at it from offensive performance in the last six, eight weeks, uh, Lamar head and shoulders above him. So it depends on how you weight things and how you just uh, think of things. And the other thing to me when I was thinking about it, too, because you're right, it, it was I went back and forth on a lot of these, but on this one in particular... Is it Mahomes or is it the guys he's got around him? Because I think Mahomes in big situations is still going to play big. The stat that was crazy to me was the fact that he was second or third in the league in completions this year, but he also had the the he had the receivers that led the league in drop balls. So if it, he's still completing a ton of passes, even though his receivers aren't catching everything he throws his way, I think it's not about him; it's about who's around him. But I think that that's why I still think he's going to put the ball where it has to be. Yeah. Now, I think that all, that's a, those all come into play, though. Like, Mahomes isn't going to have new receivers in the playoffs. Like, his receivers that he's had all throughout the regular season are, are the targets that he's going to have in the postseason. So I think it's also, like, part of the equation. But, like, what's number four the, uh, who stepped up at the end You're of the year? You're talking about Rasheed Rice yeah, from Rice. SMU? Rice has stepped up to where if you add Rice, Valdez Scantling, it's never been about route running or speed. It's about his hands. But, and you still have Travis Kelsey. But that's not going to get better at negative nine wind No, but he's played in Green Bay. He's played in that. So I think that actually is to his advantage. So. I think that's to his advantage to where I think he has enough to get by with and do more than they did in the regular season, especially in that those kind of conditions. 713-780-ESPN. Where did we go wrong on our quarterback list? And again, the average. And go look at the uh, the graphic on uh, Twitter at ESPN 97.5 because a couple of these screw-ups are not my fault. They're mostly Joe's fault. Joe had the, the most outrageous and egregious uh, rankings. Blankers and I fault. were pretty similar. So it's almost, it's all Joe's fault. I also would have had betting odds that you guys acknowledged that everyone besides my DAC mistake got yeah. last names except for Tua. I didn't want to well, figure out yeah. how to spell it. And I, I never say Tua's last name either because I don't want to, you know, how I am with pronunciations. Yeah, you, your graphic's good. I mean, you did a great job with the graphic. Uh, except, by the other way, than the killer BS playoff quarterback rankings and the new listing <laughs> DAC. It was, it was uh, plus 5,000 for the Rams. So you got plus 5,000 just to win the NFC? Yeah. That's amazing value. 
I like that value a lot. All right, our top 14 quarterbacks. Tell us where we went wrong, where we screwed up, where we're idiots. 713-780-3776. Mahomes won. Jackson two. Allen Stroud tied for third. Prescott fifth. Stafford six. Purdy seven. Hurts eighth. Two is nine. Goff rounds up the uh, the top ten. And then Flacco 11. Love 12. Mayfield 13. Rudolph 14. Where did we go wrong? 713-780-3776. Also... Rockets Bulls yesterday, which got us some free lunch. Thank you uh, to the to the guys earlier, Connor Beard and Carlson. Even though he tried to pretend like he wasn't involved in the bet, uh, both teams in that game yesterday they both blew last night's game. Love some of the email quotes after the game, and love to see a little Cam Whitmore in crunch time. How about that? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. My colleague, U of H class of nineteen ninety, go Cougs, has been protecting the interests of businesses for nearly twenty five years. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. A little help, a lot of help, anything in between. HRP will create a plan for what you and your business needs. Also, their customer service second to none. Second to none. You'll never talk to a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone that knows you. They're familiar with you. They're familiar with your company. I can speak to the customer service anytime I have a question. Always get a quick response. Easy to understand. I'm kind of an email guy, but that doesn't slow them down. Always quick with those emails too. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources and eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or online at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. All right, we just put together our uh, playoff quarterback rankings, Killer B's rankings. We like to do that start of the season. First time we've done it for the playoffs. I like that, though. Uh, 9317 doesn't like Joe, though. Uh, Allen has more picks than Dak. 6609. Stafford has thrown eight more picks than Dak the past eight seasons. Joe, in all capital letters. Uh, 9193. Stats don't lie, but people do. And Joe is a liar. 2018, eight interceptions. 2019, 11 interceptions. 2020, four interceptions injured. 2021, 10 interceptions. He said, show me who you are for three years and I'll believe you. He also completely ignored how he's played this year. Put him on bad take boulevard. Trash is behind. Car wreck of the century. I'll call John and Lance and tell them one thing I learned today is that Joe is a biased moron. What am I biased towards? I don't hate the Cowboys. Well, bad, maybe bad information? I guess. Mm. You got it a little bit there. Yeah, I did. I understand I triggered a Cowboys fan. I'm so sorry. Is it going to change your mind? Uh, No. Okay. That's fine. I mean, like, like, Dak has had a much better year this year, but the facts are that even if you take away the interception numbers, just how many he threw last year, he was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year in terms of interception percentage. He threw oh, an down. interception on 3.7% of his passes. Ooh. He was 34th out of 34 in the NFL. Only Justin Fields, Carson Wentz, Davis Mills, and Marcus Mariota threw interceptions on 3% of their passes last year besides Dak Prescott. Ooh. Dak Prescott had his worst year ever last year. He's been way, way better. They throw the ball to C.D. Lamb a lot, but I'm just saying it was so bad last year, and it hasn't been good until this year since he got his contract. It's because he's black. 
<laughs> no, I love Justin Fields. Wow. I mean, you do have you mean you have Mahomes and Jackson one too. So it's fair. I think you're off the hook. I think you are off the hook for this one. Although you have Dak six and you have two with ten. But I got CJ five. Yeah, I forgot about CJ. <laughs> but okay, that's that doesn't help your argument. You had CJ lower than both of us. So Stroud actually helps the opposite side of the oh, argument. Oh, that's your argument? He's a rookie? Yeah, he's a rookie. I'm not going to put him in the top three. He hasn't played in an NFL playoff game yet. Kind of last week. He put Stafford there, though. Stafford won a Super Bowl. He put Lamar Jackson there. He's the MVP. <laughs> How's he done as the one seed? Not good. No. Not no, good. Not at all. Nine one nine three. Why is one year of an eight-year career the one year you put all this stock on? It's a good question. It's fair. Two nine two nine one two. I think golf too low for a guy who's quarterback to team to the Super Bowl. Not sure. I wouldn't rather have him than Josh Allen to win a playoff game. Uh, oh boy, I don't. I don't disagree a whole lot with I that. Do. Actually, uh, I I felt guilty putting golf ten. I'm not going to lie to you. So I, I, in a lot of ways, I resonate with this texture because I was putting this together and I had golf ten. I was like, man, this feels low for Jared Goff. I feel like we're disrespecting Jared Goff. And quite honestly, I feel like Jared Goff gets disrespected, and he's a much better player than the perception of Jared Goff is. He's gotten better than than everything that was talked about when he left the Rams. But He I, went to a Super Bowl with the Rams, though. He did. With, and their offense was unbelievable. But, yeah, and McVay, was, in a lot of people's mind, was the reason why no they doubt. went to a Super Bowl. But I think on the flip side, and Joe and I might be able to, to both speak to this a little bit better than a lot of people, and that is Stafford had, a, had really bad teams in Detroit. But Stafford was not the reason they were losing football games. Stafford played. He's always had a good, strong, solid, accurate arm. He's been a good passer of the football. He just had a bunch of crap around him a lot of times. But I don't think he got enough credit for being as good as he was with bad Detroit teams. And then it all was put on full display when he got to the Rams. And then they they, they did what they did. But I saw Matt Stafford play a lot of games in Green Bay going, damn, this dude is really, really good. He just... Play, he doesn't get any credit because he plays in a crap market. See, golf to me has a better arm than Tua and Hurts and Purdy. Uh, like a better arm, strictly arm. But Tua's like the ability for him to make plays is why I gave him the slight edge. But I wouldn't have a problem with golf over Tua. Uh, the way that Jalen Hurts is playing this year, like Hurts last year would have been top three. But the way that Hurts is playing this year, I wouldn't have a problem putting golf over Hurts. In terms of talent, I think golf is more talented than Brock Purdy. But Purdy's just like a perfect scheme He's fit perfect for guy. what San Francisco wants to do. And to the Texture's point, I. I, mean, I I don't like Josh Allen. I do think he's a ticking time bomb that will cost his team a game in the playoffs. So I get it from that standpoint. So I'm not. I don't. I don't really disagree. Even though I had Allen six and Goff ten, I'm you, not that far off from where the textures. I hear you on two of the three, but I think are you basing that on the fact that Hurts isn't healthy? Because I think if Hurts yes. is healthy, he has a stronger arm than Goff. Um. In terms of arm talent, I would have Goff ahead of Hurts with arm talent. Like his arm is big enough, but we're talking about like strength and accuracy. I would say Goff. Like if it's a quarterback contest, you sit in the pocket and you're just hitting like targets. Goff would win that. You, now, a real football game where you take a snap and you have to deal with pressure, it's Jalen Hurts ten times out of ten. But you, yeah, I, when you said stronger arm, I mean if, arm if, talent. If, if, I think you, go, if arm you go talent. arm talent and you go like the combination of accuracy and strength, then I, then I, I'm I'm here, I'm with you on that because look, I've been highly critical of Ertz, of, of Hertz's accuracy in the past, but I think when Hertz has to throw a deep ball and he's healthy, he can load up and, and, and throw that thing as far as he needs to. Yeah, I don't I don't really remember what I said. I say a lot of things and don't remember half about, of them. But I'm in arm talent. I think the thing about golf too, it's a lot of the McVay was calling the plays. Or telling them what was in front of them until there was 15 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Like I know Jeremy, it's, we were together actually at Josh's at Beard's house. Mm-hmm. He played in the most boring Super Bowl I've ever watched in my life. 
Like that Patriots Rams Super Bowl was abysmal. Yeah, and like I, it's I almost can't get that out of my head when I think of Jared Goff in the playoffs. I think that a lot. Of, I think a lot of people are that way. I think that's why the perception exists because why are stereotypes stereotypes? Because a lot of times stereotypes are true. So like the not getting the play or getting the play and uh, from the helmet and and having McVay evaluate like what he's seeing uh, up until like when the comms stop. Help like that. We know that. So, like, we diminish golf because of that. Uh, because he was in McVeigh's offense, we diminish golf's relevance to that offense because McVeigh is the wonderkind. Uh, and then, lastly, the fact that the Super Bowl, which everybody watches the Super Bowl, and they probably, like, a lot, most people that exist in the world probably have seen Jared Goff play one football game. One football game. And that was the one football game, which was the extremely low-scoring Super Bowl. I don't think he scored in that game, right? Or they got three points? I can't remember. Something like that. Uh, we just got digits. a very funny tweet. Yeah. Uh, Steven tweeted, Mason Rudolph is still too high. Backups <laughs> are probably better than him. That's a good point. I would take, I would take Case. I would take all three Houston Texan quarterbacks over Mason Rudolph. All three. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I would take Case, two. and I would take Davis over Mason Rudolph. I'd take two. Oh, Case I would played take so bad in his last game. It was against Cleveland, though. Number I one know. defense. Look yeah, how he did against I, Tennessee. You got to win. I, I, I would take him over Davis. I would take him over Davis. I would take. I would take all three. I'm not kidding. I think I agree with that. No, all kidding. three. I think all three. There's a Pro Bowl backup in the playoffs. Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley. Backed. So, like, he's in the mix here, maybe, there's as a, well. There's a near MVP in the playoffs. Sam Darnold. Carson Sam Darnold, Wentz. Sam Darnold might be Carson better than Wentz, that's right. Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz better than Mason Rudolph. Eh. Nope. Mike White. I think Mike White's better than Mason Rudolph. I think Carson Wentz right now is still better than Mason Rudolph. I probably would say that. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. say that. That's a good point. We did have Rudolph too high. Well, I guess we should have put starting quarterbacks. Yeah, should have put fair. starting quarterbacks. So we had Chick-fil-A today because uh, Beard and uh, and uh, Connor, they, they lost a bet to us. Thank you, Joe. Hat tip goes to you. Uh, both these teams tried to lose, though. Bulls had a huge lead, blew the lead, good comeback by the Rockets. Shingun was excellent in the second half, uh, forced the game to go to overtime, and then the Rockets just couldn't get anything going in OT. Uh, Bulls win at 124-19. Rockets had a shot. To win the game, you notice that Cam Whitmore was the first option on that play. The, that was a lob. Loop, it was a yeah. lob, mm-hmm. but he was the first option there. Ended up going to Jabari. Jabari missed the shot, even though he had a really good game. 18 points, 15 rebounds. A lot of positives to take from yesterday's game, but probably a winnable game that you let slip away. No, well, you no didn't let it slip away. You just didn't play in overtime. No, absolutely, though. I mean, when you look at the way that they were able to put that run together late in the game, and, and then they got the call to go kind of their way anyway, in the fact that even though they called the foul, the technical got you a point closer, and then the Bulls did you a favor, I thought, oh, my God, one way or another, the Rockets are going to win this. Then to start the overtime on, what, a 7-0 run? To start the overtime? It looked like it was all but over. And then they just they just couldn't cross the T's and dot the I's and do what they needed to do to close the deal. And then the Bulls did their own run to you. And and that's something that you got to correct because finishing is so big in any sport, but it's particularly big in the NBA. And when you've got to lead that late, you've got to be able to close the door. And, and in overtime, they just kind of just fell down. Alpi looked like he really wanted it. I just didn't see a whole lot of other guys that had a whole lot of want to. He didn't really look like that in the first half. No, no, no. I'm talking down yeah, the stretch. No, no doubt. I think that they all wanted it. Like, I mean, I thought Jalen Green was pretty critical in the third. Uh, didn't shoot the three ball great, but I thought it was pretty good. I mean, 18 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, 8 of 19 from the floor. Kind of meh. 2 of 7 from 3. Not great. But I thought he kind of lifted them up whenever they needed that lift. Kind of sparked them. Kind of got them back in the game. Uh, Alpi, dominant second half. I, he was fourth quarter. Like He was on another level. Yep. He was playing at a high level. First half wasn't great. I love the quote from Ime after the game, too, because, look, Alpi's your best player. 
But you need your best player to like play every night, play well every night. Ime Adoka, straight to the point with Alpi Shingun. He played one half of basketball, basically. He decided to show up at halftime and exerted himself the way he normally does. You saw that player he is in the second half. I love this for Ime Adoka because you're sending not, not only are you sending a message to Alpi, obviously Alpi's going to see this. And he's like, yeah, he's right. I didn't play great in the first half. But it sends a message to everybody in that locker room that no one is off limits. No one is off limits from Ime Adoka going after you and, and being brutally honest with you and right. He's right about it too because you can't say this stuff and not be right. You had to be accurate whenever you're kind of calling out players. I like this. I like throwback coaches that hold their players responsible, and Ime Adoka is that guy. It, it, he really is. I don't know that he would say it to any – I don't think he'd have to say it to a Fred Van Vliet. But in terms of the young guys in particular, this is the message that rattles through the entire locker room. And also, it tells you Alpi's not afraid to be coached hard. He doesn't have a problem with it. He's not going to get sensitive. We've seen Jalen have a little bit of a difficulty, it seems like, in the past when he's coached hard. Yeah. But he basically also told you – I love my big man, and he. but I'm also not afraid to tell my big man, you can be better, and you didn't give us everything tonight that we needed. And that's fair, but I think you're right. I think this is something you never would have seen a year ago, two years ago with Steven Silas and his crew. They would have, they would have tiptoed around it. They would have tried to still find a way to build them up. And this is who Udoka is. This is exactly what this team needs. And to your point about uh, Jalen, like he might not say this about Jalen, even if he thought it, just nope. because of the confidence. Like he knows that Alpi can handle it. Got tough skin. Doesn't, isn't going to like let it affect him. I, I could see something like this affecting Jalen, and I think that's why Ime wouldn't say it publicly about Jalen. He'd be a little softer in his stance. But it also is the sign of a good coach. Like you have to be able to deliver no messages to certain players differently. Now Alpi can handle it. Another player you might have to have a little softer voice with. That's the sign of a good coach. See, I think when I heard it, he could say it to Alpi. He could say it to Tari Eason. Mm-hmm. I think those guys can handle it. Dylan Brooks. Uh, for sure. Dylan the veterans Brooks. veterans he, I, Jeff Green, those no not even keep factoring those in. I'm saying to the young guys. He might. We don't know enough about Amen Thompson yet, but yeah. I. Th- I but, but I was going to ask you if you, what you thought about Jabari because I don't think Jabari would like that either. I think Jabari. No, I, I don't know, man. Like I think Jabari's kind of turning the page. I don't think he would have liked it last year, but I'll go back to whenever he got benched for the first time in the fourth quarter, and they asked him the next day, and Jabari's like, "Look, some nights are going to be like that. I got to play better." Like was like held it accountable, or like, like held himself accountable, was like, hey, that's on me, not playing well. I can do, I can learn in those moments. So I, I think that Jabari's actually turned the corner on that. I agree with I you say, last year. Yeah, I could see that, but I also think his old man helps too, to basically say he's been through it in the NBA. Look, you're going to have to be coached up sometimes, and that's something that you got to deal with because I think that he might not like it, but I think he's more accepting of it now than he was even early in this season because even early in the season, I just didn't feel like he could be coached hard. All right, Bad Take Boulevard. We have an ESPN 97.5 employee that makes Bad Take Boulevard for the very first time. So that rules out uh, Joe George. What do you think belongs on Bad Take Boulevard? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You know what belongs on Good Take Boulevard? General Ben. It belongs there every single day. I've been telling you about General Ben for a while. It is the best. And it's time for you to drink smarter with General Ben. We're trying to make good decisions in 2020. Right? That first good decision you should make is Gentle Ben. And it all starts with the finest ingredients. Classic, time honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses their innovative process that removes the harshness and heat that's found in most spirits. You get all the flavor with none of the burn. Gentle Ben takes away the bite, they take away the burn. You'll love what's not in Gentle Ben, including fusel oils. Fusel is the German word for bad liquor. There's no bad liquor in Gentle Ben, never has been, never will be. They offer the vodka. 
the gin, the straight bourbon whiskey, cast strength bourbon, all are in my rotation. What's in yours? Head to GentleBin.com, order straight from the website, go to the Bins bar inside the Toyota Center. When you go to a Rockets game, ask for it at the bar, ask for it at the restaurant, but go to GentleBin.com, order it straight from the website, add it to your cart, and have it delivered straight to your doorstep. Crafted in Texas by Ricky Ford, A&M graduate, GentleBin, three parts craft, one part science. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. Yeah, you know, I wonder why I'm mean to uh, to spend. He's wanting us to get run over. All right, what are the bad takes of the week? He's blank on Branham. 713-780-3776 if you have some. So we're going to start off with our first ever ESPN gal media uh, employee that has never been on Bad Take Boulevard before. Never. No one would ever say anything bad. Ooh, or Godfather? What's that? Is it the Godfather? <laughs> Please. He's not well, he's never been to Bad on, Take Boulevard. No one would ever say it. Now we might get God. I think he's been on Bad Take Boulevard. Has he? I think so. I, I think, think so. he butchered my name once and we put him on Bad Take Boulevard. If I want to, I can't remember. But the first one on and Bad Take live? Boulevard today. I know. <laughs> Maybe wow. I'm a made man. You. Maybe I'm a made man and I didn't know it. Uh, Esme. Esme makes the list. Here's why. Because we we all had Houston Texans predictions throughout Gal Media. And all of us, I mean, all of us were wrong except for Paul. And he was dabbing on everybody. Uh, Esme, though, was the worst. I'm Esme with Gal Media. The Texans are only going to win two games. <laughs> Esme, sorry, Esme, but you made you the list. You just made the list. You made the list. No one's immune to Bad Take Boulevard, Ooh. Blankers. We do not play favorites. My mother has made the list. Branham yeah, Baby man. has made the list. The blind guy that calls our show has made the list. No one is immune from Bad Take Boulevard, forgot about even that. Esme. I did warn her that she was going to make the list. I told her. How'd she feel about it? She got a little heated. She I was, was going to say. I mean, she's a Latina woman. How do you think she, she handled is, it? She is yeah, a she sweetheart. Was, she that's, was, I, mm, that's a tough yeah, one. She, she got pretty fiery. She wasn't happy with me. I said, sorry, as me and my mom's made the list, you're going to have to make the list too. Uh, the next one comes from Deadspin, which, I mean, Deadspin's putting out bangers after bangers for years. Uh, Deadspin on January 12th, 2023 said... Black coaches should boycott the Houston Texans so they can't fill their Rooney Rule quota. Okay, all right. Which I mean, back then that what they weren't the only people that were thinking that on January twelfth, two thousand twenty-three. So that's fine. But Deadspin and then the same author, by the way, eh, roughly a year later, three hundred and sixty-five days. D'Amico Ryan's the only choice for NFL Coach of the Year. Which works hand-in-hand with Stephen A. Smith, 409. Josh texted this one in. I'd like to give Stephen A. Smith a mansion on Bad Take Boulevard for his off-season rant about the Texans-hating black people. Houston media should have that all over their social media and make him own it. So, Deadspin, Stephen A., you just made the list. You just made the list! He's been in the media for a lot of bad take kind of stuff in the last 24 to 48. Uh, I've heard different. I heard that it wasn't really bad takes. I heard he got a little potty mouth. Wash his mouth out with soap. Just a back and forth. It's an ugly mess he probably doesn't need to get into. I have I paid that zero mind. I could like not drama. care less. You'd, you'd be in for uh, that. I like, I like like intriguing stories. I have zero interest in Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock airing dirty baggage on ESPN and how much they hate each other. That is a waste of my time. I, I, I stayed I'm away from it. I, I heard like a minute and a half 
thing with Stephen A. Like, if he called him fat and he called him like a stupid piece of, it's like okay, like it's is this starting even to get debate? to where though they're calling out like situations and people and the fact that like Stephen A. had in his contract that he never would work with Whitlock. Yeah. And- uh... I, I'm all for it. Okay. Different strokes for different folks. I think I would feel differently if it wasn't Jason Whitlock. I just, we all just know he sucks. Yeah, it's true. And I don't it's like coming out one. more and more. I'm like not a fan of either one. Like if it was Stephen A versus Skip, I'd be like, oh, like I'm kind of in on this. I wouldn't I'd like, like to see Skip get some medicine, too. Uh, Logan, who's like a diehard cult fan on Twitter, uh, this is the equivalent to the Seattle Mariners. Let's have a reputation, dog. He sent out a tweet and it kind of went viral. Uh, remember, C.J. Stroud was talking bad word about Indianapolis. He was. Uh, let's make it so loud in there Saturday night that he won't be able to hear himself think. How'd that go out for Logan and the, uh, I the Colts? I think you just made the list. You saw more than he had to hear, and you saw your team. He thought himself all the way to a division title. That's how bad it was there at Indy. Staying in the division, you might have heard of this guy, UCF Jaguar, who's like the top, he says he's the top social media content producer for the Jags, which he probably is, but it probably doesn't take much. Here was uh, UCF Jaguar after the Jags beat the Texans in their last regular season matchup. Texans fans, I tried to tell you guys, I tried to tell you, the Jaguars run the AFC South, okay? This is our division, Trevor Lawrence is better than C.J. Stroud. Better luck in 2024. Have fun competing with Indianapolis for second in the ACC. How'd that go? Mm, not so well. How'd that go? Oh! You just made the list! The UCF Jag makes the list. Here's give, a, give him credit, though. He did come out and own it. He owned, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he still makes the list. Right, no but yeah, yep. I, do, I do tip my cap. I actually want to reach out to him and see if he wants to meet up in Orlando. I think I'm going to do that. I was thinking about that last night. Uh, 0046, uh, Joe George makes the list for saying the Texans had no chance at the division after Jacksonville after the Jacksonville loss. Go back and listen to the audio. So Joe George, UCF Jaguar, two peas in the same pot. Joe George, you make the list. You just made the list. Everybody nominates you for the list. I don't deny saying that. Uh, <laughs> I, don't. I, don't think you, I don't think you were the only one. Here's another uh, Joe nominee, 9193. I'm nominate Joe George for using the worst statistical season in a quarterback's career to define who he is. Yeah, I don't agree with that. So, so you're not going to hit the, the button? Nope. <laughs> okay. I control fair. the button, so no. The Jags, two days before Christmas, staying with the theme of the AFC South, they sent out a tweet. On December, th- actually, it was uh, it was not two days before Christmas. I just made the list. It was December thirteenth. Playoff tickets are on sale now! Exclamation point with a ticket, a little ticket emoji. Mm. Now, I think this was required by the NFL. At least the email was. But the what the Texans did though, the Texans sent out the email like reserve your tickets now. But what the Texans did, which was shrewd, it was wise. I think it kept them from bad karma. I think it's the reason they won the AFC South. In fact. They said that they were mandated to do it by the NFL. So, like, all of this stuff, here, get your tickets here. This is an email we have to send because the NFL makes us. So they covered their bases. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, look, you're right. The league always mandates a lot of stuff that we don't know about. Sometimes it causes you uh, undue criticism. But, look... Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. A lot of uh, bad takes about the Texans are coming out because they won the AFC South. Colin Cowherd, who might be on the list more often than Joe George, especially with his takes on the Houston Texans. Here was a a doozy from back in the day. And then there's C.J. Stroud, rookie defensive head coach, rookie offensive coordinator, weird owner, below average roster, like – not a lot. He's not talented enough 
to overcome that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Colin Cowherd. You just made the made list. Do you have some here, Blinkers? Uh, yeah, I had a couple. That is a that is a big one, by the way. For the, uh, I think Jameis Winston makes the list. I think Jameis Winston makes the list no matter how you shake it, just because the victory formation and the fact that he made the bad take decision of saying that he and his teammates were going to do something different than the head coach and, and do what they did. Yeah, a lot of people liked it. I agree with you. Like you go rogue with what your head coach is doing. I, I think you it's just a sign made the list. Cracks in the foundation. Dan Campbell. He makes the list. Come on, you play Sam Laporta. He's out. It's your fault. Oh, you didn't yeah. need to play him. Yeah, what that are you was a. Uh, for? That was kind of like playing number seventy-eight when you were down by twenty-four points in New York, all the way to the bitter end. On a day you lost your quarterback. Yeah, but the, I think similar that, to that, except he didn't actually get hurt. And like what you had nothing to play for. The Mike Texans, McDaniel, it's Bradley Chubb. Like coaches, coaches do this. It's stupid coaches do this. Like I don't understand. Football coaches do this. Football coaches will play their stars down four possessions with two minutes left to play. Routinely. Routinely. I know you can't sit everyone. Like, some players have to play. You clear out your bench, though. Like, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Jared Goff should never have been on that The Detroit one's a little bit more different, a little different, I think, though, because it's like, okay, how much do you value risk? How much do you value rust? So like, I can understand playing your guys in the final week because you don't want to get rusty. So I think there's a balance there. Yeah, but you have two rookies who scored over 10 touchdowns this season, and you just gave one of them away. Yeah, I mean, you're not trying to get them hurt. I know, but he like, got hurt. I know, but you're trying to stay fresh. You want you want to be clicking. You want to have some momentum. So it's like a, it's a tough... It's a tough risk-reward. It's a very fine line. Whereas a Mike McDaniel, when you're playing Bradley Chubb down by 80 points with two minutes to play, that makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. Do you have some more blankets? Joe, don't you think your Bears secondary deserved a little bit after the Packer game? Yeah. Yeah, they it came out. a lot of trash. Yeah, they came out after the game, after they got ripped and toasted and said, I felt we could, uh, uh, Brisker said, they're, I felt like we could have gotten tightened up on the receivers a lot more than we did today. We gave too much room. I really have no respect for them at all, just to be honest. No one over there, no respect. They have no stars over there, and yet you were one of the guys that were supposed to stop him. That brought Preston Smith and Aaron Jones and a whole bunch of Packers out after him. You, might, you two might be the only one in, in Houston that know anything about that. Anything about that. One more from you, Blinkers. Well, I'm not going to name his name because I think I do agree with you in the fact that it's exactly what he wants. But to the local whatever we want to call him blogger, that just decided to have a multitude of bad takes and bad tweets in a week, but said, should the Texans consider trading C.J. Stroud to draft Caleb Williams? Yeah, he's just he's farming engagements. He, that's just that's just stupid. It really wasn't a take. Well, he tried to say it was that he's there were multi there was multiple. He he instances. got it. He actually slid into my DMs the other day. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, he did. Uh, Nine seven eight zero. They play their stars because there are so many incentives attached to total numbers and where they end up with their stats. Not for a rookie, man. Not for they don't have those incentives for rookie contracts. Three zero eight two. I nominate Joe George for like for not liking black quarterbacks. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I put that on you, uh, Joe George. Five zero three eight. Jason Lockenfora lives on Bad Take Boulevard. Mm. And Edgar wanted to put you, Blankers, on Bad yep. Take Boulevard for not using sauce to dip your uh, your Chick-fil-A nuggets into. So you also make the list, according to Edgar. According to Edgar, yeah. Chick-fil-A nuggets are the only ones that I would eat plain. Now, That's I don't exactly usually. I, do it. I don't usually. I don't usually. But they're the only chicken uh, nuggets tenders that I would eat plain. Yeah, I think their buffalo sauce is elite. Really? So I go with the buffalo sauce. I go sauce. with barbecue. My wife will do, like, four different kinds, but she'll do buffalo in the ranch. She'll, like, dip it into buffalo ranch and, like, makes her own little, like, 
you know, I mean, technically, that would be a boneless wink. Technically. That's, that's, technically. A fair, that's a fair assessment. All right, that's it for Bad Take Boulevard. Very good one today. So there's a report out on John Grenard's injury. It looks like he's going to play, which is fantastic. Twelve and a half sacks back. That's tremendous. That's fantastic. That's outstanding. Uh, if, this is re- if this report is true, though, on the injury of John Grenard, I think I'm out on John Grenard, guys. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, we know it's another big weekend. We mean all across sports. There's going to be plenty to talk about. We know that you already probably said that in 2024 you wanted to have more fun as one of your resolutions. Now you also love sports and you want to make the big games and the games you're going to watch this weekend a little bit more interesting. There's a ton to bet on, and you know you can do it all at MyBookie.ag because it's the place that you can have all that fun and so much more. At MyBookie.ag, they've got all the games. they got all the in-game betting. They've got all the odds and everything that you need so that you can get your gambling fix on while watching those big games, and you can get all the bonuses as well when you use our promo code BET975. Where you're, whether you're new to MyBookie and you want to reload your account as an existing customer, if you're already bet on MyBookie.ag, it doesn't matter. From fifty dollars to $1,000, what you put in will be doubled almost instantly. You'll see it in your account. More money in your account, more games you can bet on, and, of course, more chances to win. And even when there's not NFL, NBA, NHL, NBA, uh, golf and soccer and so much more to bet on, they have live casino de- uh, dealers standing by, blackjack, roulette, and a whole lot more. All live games, live dealers, and another chance for you to get some money down and win some cash at the end of the day. Start your fun right now. MyBookie.ag. Use our promo code BET975. Do what I always tell you to do. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's MyBookie.ag. And use the promo code BET975. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right, John Grenard's had a career year. He's Blank on Branham. He's had a career year in what is a contract year. Uh, Very good timing for John Grenard to go nuts. John Grenard coming into this season was kind of a, a forgotten about... Kind of a lost cause. I don't think many people had much expectation for John Grenard to have any production. I, I think that he was definitely out of sight, out of mind. Because uh, last year he only played in eight games. He had one and a half sacks last year. Uh, and then he's jumped all the way up to 12 and a half this year. He has 11 more sacks than he did a year ago, which had a fantastic season. Now, we do know that John Grenard has missed the last two games, which were pretty important games. Like Tennessee, very close to a must-win game. Very well could have been a must-win game, depending on all the scenarios. The Colts was a no-doubter. It was a winner in. It was a playoff game. It was uh, it was an elimination game. We know that John Grenard missed both of those games. Uh, Aaron Wilson, who's been wrong before. Aaron Wilson, of course, said that D'Amico Ryans was not interested in the Houston Texans job. And then, you know, he signed with the Houston Texans and led them to the AFC South title. Aaron Wilson tweeted out earlier today. Texans defensive end John Grenard has returned to practice from a grade one ankle sprain. Okay. All right. I, I, it's, it's the first time that I, I, heard, I read this. I had to read it twice to make sure it wasn't a high ankle sprain. 
Because grade one high ankle sprain, much different than a grade one ankle sprain. This does not say high ankle sprain. I searched everywhere on Twitter to see if it was a high ankle sprain. I could not find high ankle sprain attached to John Gernard. Everything that we've heard about was was high ankle. I hadn't I hadn't heard that. I heard that about Anderson. I have not heard the oh, low ankle right. sprain, right. high ankle yeah. sprain with John Gernard, period. And I tried to find this, and I could not find if John Gernard had a high ankle or a low ankle. And the reason this is significant, high ankle sprain, you're out multiple weeks. And you might need surgery. They've got that surgery now. Now, probably not, with the grade, probably not with the grade one. Well, I was going to say grade one, uh, clarification. Grade one is like the, 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 the lowest. easiest, right? Grade the one is the, to yeah, come back a, from. counting upwards are the ones that, be, that become uh, the more difficult to come from. Grade one sprain, slight stretching, and some damage to the fibers of the ligament. A grade two is partial tearing of the ligament. If the ankle joint is examined, moved in certain ways, abnormal looseness, a laxity of the ankle joints. And then grade three is a complete tear of the ligament. So it goes upwards. The, the, you know, okay. One is the, 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 like the most minor it can be. If this report is true, and I'm hoping that it's not, quite honestly. I actually hope that Aaron Wilson's wrong on this. Now, it's good in the sense that Grenard's probably going to be fresh and good to go. If this is a grade one, the smallest ankle sprain that you can have, and it's just a normal ankle sprain, John Grenard just missed two weeks with a regular roll of the ankle. Okay, but we've talked about this previously about the business decision part of this. and mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you, I would think that this may, maybe the way to look at this is He's making a business decision until he has job security, and once he has job security, then it'll be a different story. We saw Lamar Jackson do this until he got his contract, regardless of what you believe in terms of how hurt he was or not. It seemed like a lot of arrows were pointing in that direction. I, I think it's a trend that you're going to see more of in, in professional sports, and particularly in this in the NFL, especially as physical as it is. It sucks. I, I get why people are, are going to be upset about this. I I just think- I don't think they are. I don't. I think people are giving him the benefit of the doubt because he's been so good, and people are high on the team. I read grade one ankle sprain that he missed two must win games, and you're trying to decide if you want to pay this guy twenty million dollars or more per year. If the report is true, and we don't know if the report is true, and Wilson is Wilson's right more than he's wrong, but he missed a big one in D'Amico Ryan's. If this report is true. And John Grenard missed two games with a minor normal ankle sprain, had has had an injury history in the past. I'm out. I can't I can't bring him back at twenty million dollars per year when he's missed two must win games with a minor ankle sprain and has had injury history in the past. I, I can't bring that guy back. I hear what you're saying, but I also think that from the other side of the equation is you know how good he is when he's on the field. You know that when he's on the field, he is he wreaks havoc. He's devastating. He's he's an unbelievable piece along with Will Anderson on the other side. And so, not that you look by this, but you you understand the fact that look, it's maybe there is something to the fact that this was a business decision. I don't think this was like more or less who he is and who he's been as a player. He's been injured in the past. We know he had a bad year last year, but I think when he has a good year, I don't think that like he did this year. Well, he's had one good year. He had a good first, Soft, no, his first two years ago. No, two years ago, he, he had a good year. year. Okay, second year was a good year. It's kind of been where he's alternated. But I think overall, when you see the kind of coming out party and really stepping up to another level uh-huh. this year, and the fact that you know as an organization, age and everything, and the fact that he's, he seems like he's a guy that really complements Anderson well for the future and for the long haul, 
I don't think this is going to deter, deter them from bringing him back. Oh, I don't care about their opinion. I'm talking about my opinion. No, just, I'm not bringing a guy back who's missed two games. If the report is true, and I'm, I'm putting, I'm hoping that it's not. I'm hoping that Grenard, we, we find out that it was a high ankle sprain and we can put this entire conversation to bed. But you've had two must-win games, the most important regular season games since at minimum 2019. And like you said, he could be, if, if this is true, he's making a business decision and you want a guy to spend $20 million on that's making business decisions over the good of the team? I don't want those kind of guys on my football team. Will Anderson is out here running around 12 plays on a high ankle sprain and making a couple of sacks. He's playing less than 50% of the snaps in weeks in week 18 against the Colts and is wreaking havoc in that game with a high ankle sprain. And if the report is true, and I hope it's not, and he's got a grade one, the smallest ankle sprain you can have, and it's a normal roll, not a high ankle sprain, I ain't giving $20 million to that guy that's making business decisions over team success. Will Anderson's under contract. He's going to be under contract with that contract for the next couple of years. So, it's, so would so, you so, would you so take I, a guy that makes business decisions over team success for $20 million a year? I might, yeah, because I know that when he's on the field, how good he is and what he, what he does to our team and our defense, and he was their best defensive player all season long, and the fact that you realize that he's young and that he could well be, he'll be 27 next year i mean that's not young he's for young age. enough and when he and what he does with this defense and and i always say price matters but i think that we discussed even in the 20 million dollar a year range that he's worth it for this team it, 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 it's just the way it's the reality of what sports is these days is it he? sucks but the, the difference between the two of them is anderson knows what he's going to make for the next couple of years he just got into the league he's okay. doing everything he can to play Grenard, this is probably his, and you mentioned he's 27. This is probably his only chance to hit the monster payday. If he would go out in one of those two games and really significantly hurt himself and then subsequently hurt his ability to make that one big payday, I have to understand it as a player, too. I mean, looking at it from the player's perspective. No, I, I, that's fine. Like, I don't think that you're wrong from a player perspective. I just don't want guys that are going in business for themselves on what I am building as a football team. You think this is D'Amico's culture that talks about like swarming and playing hard and being there for your teammate and all of these things? A guy that sits out two games with an ankle sprain? Yeah, business decision. I agree with everything you said. If the report is true, I hope it's not true. I hope this is all like moot point and that it comes out that it was more severe than that, than a grade one ankle sprain. But it's also been a trend in Grenard's career. Like, Grenard's been injury-prone since he stepped into the NFL. He played 13 games in, a, in year one. He, he played 12 games in year two. He played eight games in year three, and then he just missed the two most important regular season games with what Aaron Wilson is telling us was a grade one ankle sprain. I don't want to spend $20 million on that kind of guy. I can't speak for D'Amico, for D'Amico, but I think that the one thing in terms of D'Amico, D'Amico maybe being sympathetic to this is because he played the game, and he played it at a high level, and he played for a lot of years. You think D'Amico Ryans would miss two of the most important regular season games? That's not games what I'm saying. Great, that's what I'm asking. But I, I'm saying D'Amico, looking at the situation as a guy that, that played defense and, and, and knows what it takes and understands from a player's perspective, that's where most players are going to side with John Grenard and say, hey, look, you know you, everybody wants to believe that the way it's supposed to go is you're supposed to give everything, no matter what everything is. If it's 70%, if it's 50%, you got to do it, especially for the biggest games of the year. But I think that from a player's perspective, they understand that if this has a chance of jeopardizing your one chance to hit, hit a payday, with, with, they're going to they're gonna be a little more sympathetic. I I can't I can't do that. Like I couldn't. Like if I'm playing for my if I'm a competitor and I'm trying to win a Super Bowl and I see a guy on my foot on my football team that is a huge piece of our football team that's making business decisions and putting my opportunity at winning a Super Bowl ring at risk, 
I, I would not be okay with that. How do you feel, Houston, if the report is true? Aaron Wilson saying that John Grenard's returned to practice from a grade one ankle sprain. 713-780-3776. Killer B's ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.